BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This episode of Blue Shirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right, you out there. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirts Breakaway. Make the pod happen. Join our Discord. Get access to BSB OTs and more. Find out now. Go there and check it out. We hit 600 this week. Our Discord is popping off as more than ever, and it's been a really, really good time. Thanks, everybody, for uh, for joining support and support. Hendrick Lundquist week. We're going to talk a little bit about Hank this podcast, uh, but I'm sure we'll do a lot more breakdown after the actual ceremony because there is a lot going on. Capococco on the IR. Philip Heedle hurt. Uh, a lot of games to recap, and a lot of theories and, and trades to talk. So we'll get into that. Um, it should be an emotional and weird week for Ranger fans, and uh, definitely a lot of games coming up before a little bit of a lull in February. So stay tuned, everyone. Let's get to the podcast. And before we get started, here's Mark Messier. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to the Week of the Bushers Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Gregory Kaplan. We are recording post-game versus LAK, and a shootout just happened. Greg, how are you? Have we been too mean to shootouts? Because that one was pretty fucking fun. Because <laughs> this is the second one of the year that has been, like, a blast. Uh, Chris Kreider got called out first. You surprised or no? I know. I'm not surprised with anything Gallant does in the shootout. He very clearly – there are reasons why Gerard Gallant yes. is a player's coach, and I feel like his shootout lineup is one of them. Like, sending Kreider out first when he scores number 30 is no accident. Okay. Sending Lafreniere we, we out to... the second Byfield puts it in is no accident. We need to break this down. I I, I need Vince. I, I'm sure by the time this has come out, I need some Vince or any Molly to ask if – Lafreniere was slated to go no matter what happened with Byfield. I feel like that was an automatic thing. I mean, he was Lafreniere was going to go no matter what after Byfield, yes. But I don't think if Byfield came out, Lafreniere was coming out next. Does that make sense? Yeah, I just – in what world – I know Lafreniere, like, 
He's struggled. Let's be honest. Like he struggled a lot, especially even tonight. I thought he was. Yeah, but the had a rock balls throw. on that kid to throw up the number one as he skated by the king's bench. That was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> to be to be as as to be honest, um, underwhelming as he's been over the last like couple weeks here, um, and for to be pushed down in the lineup tonight to actually go out there and just. Let him hang <laughs> once he scored. I love it. I, I do too. love it. I Give the too. kid more ice time. He deserves it. I I was – let's get right into it. So I was super excited when Lafreniere went up to the first line tonight. The opening night lines, uh, Gallant went in and just David Quinn did. He was like, screw it. Let's blender it up. Nothing, oh, yeah. Nothing's working. the shit out of this one. And I got news for you, Ryan. It didn't work. Did not work, actually. At one point, Lafreniere was skating with Greg McKegg and Ryan Reeves. Um, Gauthier continues to have one move. <laughs> he can't do anything else, even in overtime. I, uh, I do appreciate we're – get, we're getting – we're slowly and surely inching our way closer to Go, uh, Gauthier perfecting that move. Because before he was just like not putting the puck on the net. Now he's putting himself in the net. I, and I feel like the next ele- evolution of that move is him actually scoring. I'm here for reinventing yourself. Growth and progression. 2022. Take care of yourself. This is That's all it. Johnny Menzel tweeting, let's go Rangers. Very strange. What a night. Oh, no. He's not coming on the podcast. Yeah, definitely not. He's probably going to be the Giants quarterback. So it'll be totally fine. Anyway. Don't- so. Oh, sorry, Giants fans. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Giants fans. All right. So, um, yeah, the whole game was so strange. The, everything. My big takeaway from this game is this. God damn it. Between Panarin, between Adam Fox and Igor Shosturkin, I just don't see how we can't win any game. I really don't. It doesn't matter what the game is, but those three just – they just break the game open. And if, if Panarin doesn't hit that crossbar, I think the Rangers win this game super easy. I really do. It's not, it's, it wasn't, I felt bad tweeting out the Rangers are once again broken at 5v5, but because it wasn't just the Panarin crossbar, I mean, Jonathan Quick, everybody just loves to fucking perform in MSG. Dude, it's the curse of MSG. I I don't know what to say. I hate the guy. I'm butthurt. I hate his ass. I hate the Kings. I hate them all. But I I don't know if you saw like the gold's expected save from our friend hockey Statmeyer tonight, but it was like Jonathan Quick was like plus twenty two. It was like okay, fuck you. Yeah, he stopped Truba Stone Cold, which I didn't expect. Woo! Panarin what goes crossbar. Like at at some, if the Rangers lost this game, had, like, I would have been probably too hard on them being because it wasn't the same old Ranger malaise at five v five. It wasn't the first period for sure. And what, I don't know what this team, why they can't get up for the first period. It's almost like that's a problem. They feel like they are in a sports movie, and it's an old sports movie trope where you have to fall behind early in order to storm back with the comeback. And this team truly believes in that. But quick, quick stone his goddamn head, and everything about this game is just. 2014 PTSD. Bro, do you remember Everything when Lafreniere skated by and put the number one up though? That's fucking wild. <laughs> I know. That's how you know. That's how you know we've advanced as a society. Right. That's how you know we're not just reliving a nightmare every night. Because the the Matrix changed the ending a little bit there for us. It's it's. I I hope. Uh, you know when there's like just turning point point moments. Like I just hope this is the turning point moment for Laf. Like maybe this he this is what he really needed to turn it around. I thought Kako had a couple of those earlier this season, and I think he's playing with a wrist injury after that, like those couple games when he was just on with Panarin and Strom. Obviously, he's out for a couple weeks now. We, we'll talk about that later in the uh, in the episode with Shayna. He's on the IR, and so is Heedle is also out. But 
I think this might be like the, that spark plug moment we can look back for Lafreniere and be like, okay, maybe this is what ignites his game because he needs to be in the top six. I think you and I tweeted it uh, earlier today, like on accident, like this is the exact same sentence, which was without Hedl and Kako in, in the lineup, if, if Lof can't make the top six, I don't know what to tell you. And tonight he got pushed down. And I just, that can't happen any further. He has, you have to let him struggle. You have to force him to play because the key to the Rangers winning and, and moving forward for this season is, is if Lafreniere has to perform. And I, I wonder if you agree or disagree on that. No, I, I, is it the key to the season? No, I, I think that is an unfair lofty expectation. And we also, we do expect the Rangers to make some kind of big trade, which will take pressure off Lafreniere's plate for this individual season. But in this exact moment when the New York Rangers, I mean, they've always had an opening in their top six, which has been the problem of this season, but now they have two and they're both on the wing. You have to give Lafreniere the opportunity to run with this. You, you just have to. If It'd be one thing if this was a day-to-day injury for Kako and the Rangers were going to expect him to be back in the lineup later this week. Kako's going to miss at least, what, seven games probably? Yeah. The like, Rangers got three more this week alone. So actually, I don't, so think, you have, I don't think they're going to rush him back. There's, the reason why I was thinking about there's this. There's no reason to. Well, the, Rangers, the, the Rangers, again, Ryan, they're blessed with this positioning in the standings. That I know aren't. every time every time the Rangers throw up the the standings graphic, I know it looks congested, but the gap between those top four teams and the rest of the division, and the gap between the number one wild card spot, which is going to come from the Metro, and the rest of the conference, it's monumental at this point in the season. So the Rangers, they don't have to rush Kako back because they're not in a hurry to pile up points. But that's also more reason to give Lafreniere some run until you make this big trade that we think is going to happen. Make Lafreniere force you into a hard decision. We, how many times have we said that line of thinking on this podcast? We want these young guys to put this team in a position where it's like, shit, well, we can't move, La- you, we can't move Lafreniere down. That's the mindset that we want in this week. And you need to give Lafreniere he needs the it. runway to do it. He if, needs it. If you didn't want to, if you didn't want to do it in this game, that's neither here nor there. It's a one-game sample. I'm not going to overreact to it. But the Gallant fell into the the mindset of what failed David Quinn. It didn't work for ten minutes, and he panicked. He hasn't done that all year. And the thing that wasn't working, you're telling me you're not going to give Kreider's advantage at Panarin more than 10 minutes? That was weird. Come on, what I are thought, we doing? I thought that was weird. Like, yeah, we didn't get one shot, but give them some time. They don't, they don't play together. So just just a quick heads up for the fans listening at home. Uh, there are four games between now and February 1st. You're probably listening to this on the 25th or later. And then the Rangers are off from February 1st to the 15th, which I believe would, by the 15th, Kako would likely be back. That's kind of where I, I also I'm think by – I. I'll go on the record and say by the 15th, I expect there to be a new New York Ranger. Me too. Someone from outside the organization. Me too. I think on the 15th, when we come back from that 14-day break, uh, when the, everyone's kind of catching up on games and the Rangers are just hanging out practicing, I think that's when the big trades and everyone gets healthy, and that's when they come back and become a different team. But for these next four games, so the Blue Jackets, the Wild, the Kraken, and the Panthers, and they're all at home. Well, no, sorry, the Blue Jackets are in Columbus. I'm dumb. But the rest of them, are, the other three are at home. And then Lafreniere could just take, you just have to take take control. Take control of your situation and destiny. You are a number one overall player. You had 220 points or whatever it was. Like, just Gotham, do it. Gotham, take back your city. I snorted. All right. Uh, um, but anyway, how about Adam Fox, huh? 
That Jesus. guy's fucking special. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, when, Jesus when the overtime... Well, actually, sorry, we shouldn't be saying Jesus Christ because, you know... Adam Fox, member of the tribe, right? Just saying, like, like fucking Moses or something par- like that. Parentheses in overtime that was four before and very strange the entire time. Um, he didn't, doesn't didn't love it, but still didn't hate it. Didn't love it, didn't hate it. Uh, Adam Fox does like a spin move and then steals the puck and then goes to the net and realizes that no other ranger is as smart as him as he's being chased by four members of the Kings. It's like this guy's incredible. Everything he does is just like so effortless. It's so strange to watch him. It's like. He, he's not nearly as athletic as you think he is. He's just the smartest player on the ice. He's like 5'10". He's not even big. It's crazy. And he just absolutely yeah. controls the puck at a higher level than everybody else around him all the time. He reads the game like no one I've, I've watched in a long time. It's really, a, it's really really special. There's nothing else yeah, more no, I could say. No no knock to friend of the podcast, Dominic Moore, or anyone else who went to Harvard. But right. Adam Fox legitimately is the one athlete where I say, yeah, no, it makes sense he got into Harvard. No, that, yeah, that, checks out. That checks out. That guy's fucking smart, and he's smarter than everybody else. It's not that he's he's deceptive on the ice, but he's deceptive in such creative ways where I don't even know how you game plan for it. it it's, it's incredible. Also, while we're talking about Rangers who are absolutely ridiculous – Maybe we don't talk enough about how fucking special Igor Shosturkin is. May, somehow, somehow maybe we aren't giving that man enough credit and enough dap on this show. Because I, I understand I, when, the, when the pregame graphic flashed across the screen. I'm not saying goalie wins are a measurement of talent or anything like that. But that motherfucker is now 24-2. and two. And I feel like those four aren't deserved and it's just remarkable how this man is going to be the guy that leads the New York Rangers in the playoffs as long as he stays healthy and again it's just like when you have that guy in net you owe him everything to go out there and put the best product you possibly can on the ice which is probably the perfect sentence to say (laughs) on Henrik Lundqvist's week (laughs) You do owe it to him. And, and let's be honest, I, this team has more offensive firepower than the Henrik Lundqvist teams ever had. If if Henrik Lundqvist has Artemi Panarin, oh, oh, oh my God. If, if Henrik Lundqvist if, has if Adam Henry, Fox. If Henrik Lundqvist had 30 gold king of the tip Chris Kreider. I know. Like, oh Lundqvist my God. never had this I, Kreider. I can't believe we're 11 minutes into this podcast. We haven't even mentioned it. Chris, Chris Kreider scoring 30. And it's January 24th. Like, what? This he's he's never been this hot. It's been the whole season. He found consistency. All it took was having the best defenseman in the world on his team. Turns out it really helps. Uh, what do you want to tip the puck in all the time? I don't know. It's having Chris Kreider go through this and just there's no no streaks. The whole the, the offense like doesn't work, but yet the power play is just so goddamn lethal. It's so punishing, and I don't even yeah. think it's like fully optimized because I think Mika should be in the shooter spot. As strange as that sounds. It's it's not fully optimized because how, I mean just how many times have we we pondered why Ryan Strom is on that power play and not someone anyone else. It, it's you can't argue with the five, which is why we've stopped arguing with the five. How could it's you? Working to perfection. They, they continue to it's score. It's a well-oiled machine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like if they put Ryan Reeves on there and it's it it worked. I wouldn't be here saying Ryan Reeves shouldn't be on the power play at some point. At some point, whatever the mathematical equation it is you decided to use, it might not be the Pythagorean theorem, but it's still getting you A squared plus B squared equals C squared. So at some point, you still have to just roll with it. Um, it's If the Rangers 
can guarantee me that they will be on the power play four times every game, then I don't think they have to make a single trade. But I don't think we can guarantee that at this point in time. I, I keep thinking when Tim Peel came on the has podcast. To do. I keep thinking about when he lied to our faces. When Tim Peel, former NHL referee, came on this podcast, and he said, we don't call penalties in the playoffs because players get more disciplined. I, I, that sticks with me, which means uh-huh. I know he's lying to me, and I know yeah. they don't call penalties. If the Rangers want to win in the playoffs, which they do, they're going to have to rely on Igor and the power play, and the power plays aren't going to come nearly as often, period. End of story. This is, that's it. They'll maybe, they'll maybe get one or two power plays in, in, in each of those games. If they're lucky, it's the playoffs. They just don't happen. And on both those power plays or one of those power plays, they'll have to convert, and then it's going to have to be a 1-0 game. That's what they're going to have to do. Otherwise... Uh, they need to find ways to get more creative on 5v5, and we're just beating a dead horse with that one. Yeah, it, it it's not as fun anymore to get worked up about it, get talked about it. And this isn't – it's funny bringing this up because I think maybe we're sounding a little bit more negative than we should. No, I'm having a great game, time. I want to be honest. It's been awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm living the dream. And also, you only scored two goals against the Los Angeles Kings. I understand a lot of this today was Jonathan Quick. But did put up seven against the Coyotes. Just saying. Yeah, this shouldn't have, this shouldn't have been a game the Rangers had any doubt, right? Like this this game should have been a little easier than it was, and it's a little disappointing that it wasn't. But the good news, the great news about this New York Rangers team, is all these flaws that we've ever brought up on this show easily correctable, and the New York Rangers have all the firepower in the world to go correct it as how they see fit, and I think that is great. But at some point, they're going to have to pull the trigger. And now I know it takes two to tango. Other teams might not want to pull the trigger this early because they're trying to create a bidding war. All that good shit. If it costs you 20% more to get the deal done earlier, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. I don't think so either. Let's quickly recap the last week. Um, we did a, a great podcast for the Leaf, uh, the Leaf reaction. If you guys want to listen to that, it's beyond BSBOT. The Hurricane game, it was what we thought it was going to be. I think it was it was either going to be I one of the best games of the season. What a, what a, what is with you? Then first, first you had a fucking Dark Knight Rises line. Now you're Denny Green. Is that what I did? I didn't realize. We are who they thought <laughs> they were. That's why we took the damn field. Anyway, um, about the hook. <laughs> I thought it was either going to be the game of the season, uh, or it was going to be every single former Ranger actually popped off, and that's what happened—the pop-off part. Um, they just took yeah, our made, they, made made some money off that shit though, because at this point, if you've listened to this podcast, you know. and you've heard me speak these DraftKings ads. Jesus Christ, at some point, it's on you if you're not betting it. I, just to be honest, I think we've uh, – I'm being honest a lot tonight, and I, I appreciate that from me, opening up and being emotional. There's oh. – there, we've we've really called a lot of the, the – the Ranger memes that for betting lines, they work for real. Like first, first goal of the season, lock it up. Former Ranger, lock it up. Every single time it happens. Uh, Wait, there, you had I had no doubt in my mind that Byfield was putting it in the back of the net. It, when I he showed up, I was like, the okay, Rangers cool. were going to win. Yeah, I, I was typing my breakaway takeaways, and I literally I saw Byfield's face, and I was like, sucks to lose in a shootout, but there was no doubt in my mind he was putting it in. But I, it, again, just one finger laugh is just the balls on that kid. I fucking love it. I love it. When guys on my favorite team really let their nuts hang. And that's why you, you wouldn't want to talk about the, the Carolina game for a little second. I, I say this with Shana later on the podcast, so I won't go in, in depth here. But no issue with the goalie assignment in that game. Zero. It's probably the only time this entire season where I will say starting Georgiev over Igor, not just a no issue for me. I loved it. 
Loved it so much. Would have done it again. 10 out of 10. Didn't care about the results. Great television. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm all in. Uh, it was amazing. Uh, moving forward, there's been a lot of uh, rumors, I guess. I guess we should talk about some certain players that we think the Rangers could be interested in or not, right? Okay, so let's start by saying it's not JT Miller. Yeah, sorry, Valakat. Love you, baby. Um, it's <laughs> That was very emotional. <laughs> it's, I, I, don't, I don't really understand the JT Miller hype. I think a lot of it comes from uh, the Vancouver side, not the Rangers side. Obviously, Valakat tweeted it out. What am I supposed to say? But I just, I just don't see it. I don't see how the cap works next year. You're choosing between Ryan Strom and no. JT Miller. I don't. No. I think you're. Are you okay? You, did you die? Uh, I, I dropped my phone. Okay. I dropped uh, my phone. Very funny. Right, uh, I got it. Right, we're good. We're I, good. I, we're good. Everybody, stand down. We're good. Cool. I think Valakat was obviously he had he's had some good tingles before the Eichel stuff didn't come through, but I think his source and stuff was pretty good back then. Uh, the, I don't see the JT Miller happening. I, I just don't. Look, I don't get it. I want to I wanna credit, I believe I saw this, I definitely saw it from Sam Stern, but I think I saw it from Drew Way as well. Don't and credit I, I Sam, just... or, or Drew. <laughs> well, I know you're fighting with both of them. So <laughs> that's even more I, reason for me to Ratio Drew on accident, whatever. Uh, it's fine. I, I, I chart Boyd in his face today in the Insider Discord, and I think he got upset at me okay. uh, with Phil Kessel. Phil but I, I think it's very important that the, the Canucks, uh, they signed, they signed, they hired Emil... They last hired former agent, not even going to try with the last name. Yep. Uh, and I think it's very important. Sometimes, especially in hockey, people say the quiet stuff out loud. And when she's saying we're here to change the culture of the Canucks organization and the only Canuck you keep hearing in trade rumors is JT Miller, hmm. sometimes a red flag is a red flag. And you just got to call a spade a spade. And there's, there might be a reason why JT Miller was a throw in to Tampa. Just going to throw that out there. Right. So. Yeah, just saying. And I understand that was Jeff Gordon, but it's not like Chris Jury wasn't here. He was here. And it's not like Chris Jury doesn't know. And it's not like Glenn Sather doesn't know. They all know. Because Sather's always been here. So, Sather's still listen, here. Listen, I explained my feelings on JT Miller a little later on this podcast. I'm not going to step on myself here. Um, I will say there are we're, – we're, we're in silly season, firmly. And I, I think it's important for everyone to remember that silly season works both ways. And – Every rumor you hear is not going to be coming out of the Rangers camp. In fact, every rumor you hear connected to the Rangers is coming from someone else. And I think that's that mindset is very important to remember. Incredibly important because there's a lot of positioning and pulling. I do think that the, the Drury is looking for – listen, Drury is, is harder to read than J.D. and Gordon. J.D. loved to talk. He'll talk to anybody. I don't know if you know this, but he'll talk for hours and hours, and he's very comfortable to doing that. And during those talking for hours and hours, he'd accidentally leak out what the Rangers wanted to do a lot of the time. So they had to muffle him a lot and not give him access to beat reporters and other things. That's why that didn't happen. Okay, cool. Uh, Drury doesn't release anything, but if I had to guess what he was thinking, I think he's looking for multiple pieces, not just one. Uh, and, and cheap rentals, and he, he's calling everybody. Uh, the, re the reason why the Rangers are in on everyone is because, A, they should be, and B, Everyone's going to say that they're in on them anyway. Uh, so I think the Chikrin thing is real. I really do. I, I've had people tell me it's not. I've had people tell me the offers are good. They're not good. I, there was a there was a report from over the weekend from Merrick that uh, Vitaly Kravtsov was in the offer for Jacob Chikrin. It was on the table. They, obviously, you've talked about this a lot that uh, they had to include Florida would have to include Lundell if they wanted to 
get him. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I don't see them getting. Well, if Florida really wants them, that that's like the grenade they. Pull, of course, right? they would because... get. It, they get it done. The the phone calls over in twenty seconds. Period. Yeah, because the Rangers will never include Kako or Lafreniere, and those are really your only chips that can beat that, right? If if and from where I stand. I've said this multiple times where I feel like it's the Panthers race to lose. There's just so many reasons. Chickren's a Florida kid. Florida is having a special season. And when you're having that kind of season, I feel like this is the move you make to really show a, you know, lower fan base that you're, you're fucking serious about this shit. But I, I also believe Florida is legit because they're in the unique position where if they, I don't think they want to move Lundell, me saying him, him possibly being the centerpiece of the deal is not me saying the Panthers don't want him. They absolutely want him. They absolutely want him for the next 10 years. But that team's so good that if they trade him to get Chikrin, they're still improving. They're still enjoying a special season. And now they're doing it with the local kid who's on a ridiculous contract and is only 23 himself. I, I The Rangers, rightfully so, probably won't include Kako or Lafreniere. I wouldn't. You wouldn't. But those are your only chips that beat Lundell if the Panthers decide to put him in the deal. If it, there, if, there's, there's no other way around it. If the Panthers don't put Lundell in, I think the, the Rangers have a really good and, package. To, yeah, to I, I think then it, it's more it's more 50-50, especially since the Panthers would have to include the salary and the Rangers could just say, no, we'll, we'll take we'll take Chicker and worry about this next year. Um, I do want to make one point to what you were saying where um, the Rangers – are going to be connected to everybody because they've – or we know that the Rangers have a hole in their top six and a hole in their six defensemen. Those holes exist. The Rangers know those holes exist, so they're going to explore opportunities to address both those holes. But not only are the Rangers checking on everybody, everybody wants the Rangers to check on their players. That's the other part of this that I think we always lose a little bit of focus on. The Rangers are the ideal training partner. They have the assets, they have the picks, they have the space. You want teams thinking the New York Rangers are involved on your players. That's why you're going to hear the Rangers connected to literally everybody. My only worry is that they're connected to Ryan Carpenter. I don't understand why they're connected to Ryan Because Gallant played with them, that's why. I know, and it's so terrible. The last thing the Rangers need is another bottom six anything. If they, if they want a forward, if they want a defensively minded forward, just go play the price in Montreal and get Lekkonen. He's a defensive wizard who will also contribute occasionally offensively. Not going to be sexy offensively, but he's so good defensively that it's going to improve your entire roster. I just, I'm not, I, I will say this. I, I, I've said this in the Discord. I'll say it publicly. I think if this deadline goes poorly for Chris Drury, I don't think I'll ever be able to say a really nice word about him moving forward. Like my faith in him will be completely crushed. I think it can go poorly, but the intent has to be there, like, the swing. If they could take the swing and then things don't go right, but I need him to take yeah, I don't, the swing. I don't, I don't know. The intent can go poorly, Ryan. I mean, all you, I, we don't have to bring it up for the 59th time on this show, but there was a certain trade that happened over the summer where we all understood the intent. Okay, fine. That, but that trade was a disaster at the moment it was reported. Uh, mm-hmm. A disaster. Uh, we don't need to go into it. But... If he goes get gets like Kessel and Chikrin, I'm in. Like if he goes and gets Hurdle, I'm in. Pavelski, I'm in. Giroux, I'm in. Like I, we can keep going, but it has to be one of those bigger names. One I of those. I will say it was very out. interesting talking with Shannon, and I'm, I'm not going to crush too much in that part of the podcast because you know spoilers and teasers and all that good shit. Right. But the the hesitancy in this fan base to trade for Phil Kessel is something that really does blow my mind. 
I don't. I'm with you. You know, I I think you you're just not motivated if you're on Arizona a lot of the time, and that team's come to life. I mean, they fucking destroyed the Rangers for the first period of that game before the Rangers were like, actually, we're gonna drop seven now. Cool. You guys think about that? It, do you think a good baseball comparison to Phil Kessel right now is like Nelson Cruz? Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. It's like, hey, this yeah, guy could come like, in and just hit hit bombs. I just all I need him to do bombs. is hit bombs. He ain't gonna do anything else, but he's gonna fucking hit bombs. That's it. I just need him to come in and just hey. Hey, Phil, yeah, eat those hot dogs, just man. eat those hot dogs to stay right here and shoot this puck. That's all I really need you to do. The team of uh, the Rangers are afraid to shoot sometimes. It is very uh, obvious. Uh, everyone kind of tries to set up everyone else. And I know Mika's, you know the, Mika's been the, more the aggressive. Funny, but. The funny thing is, how many times did we hear about East-West passing with David Quinn? It felt like it was the topic uh, of every Literally every press conference? conference right? Yeah. But I never really noticed it last year or any of the years Quinn was in charge. It's like Quinn would bring it up. And he'd talk about it in a way that, like, maybe my eyes were just missing it. But this year, there are times where I'm like, all right, what the fuck? Can he just shoot? Like, yeah. I, I hate being the guy that says shoot the fuck. I, they, I know majority of people don't like being the person that says shoot the a puck. A really good example but is this, the end of the Kings game today, Greg. Like, there oh was... God, they just did not want to... Did they know there were only 10 seconds left? There was 10 seconds left, and everyone was like, mm, you know what? We'll keep passing. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I don't know why I always preface stuff when I when I say that. Like, this is an shit, honest I'm podcast. Not gonna lie to you. We're not lying. We're One not... of these times, I am just gonna... I'm just gonna glan it up and start lying to you if I can... T- oh, actually, before... Let, let me finish this first point, and then I need a second sure. point that I need to break up. The first one was... Had then Rangers not scored with 1.5 seconds left, we would have been saying the same shit at the end of the first period because for whatever reason, they were just dancing around with the puck and not wanting to shoot. And then they scored a goal and we can't say shit. So that's great. Yes. The second point is uh, rule number one with Gerard Gallant is that motherfucker lies all the time. That's rule number one, right? Yes. So let me call bullshit on Patrick Nemeth being banged up. That's Gallant just protecting his dude who stinks out loud right now and he doesn't want him in the lineup. When he says we have a defenseman that's banged up, I smell that shit out. Because the defenseman would have been Lindgren. That motherfucker's been taking I, a beating when the he, last couple of days. When he said the, the defenseman was banged up, I was like, oh, Lindgren's probably not playing tonight. That sucks. Yeah! My mind went to Lindgren. So when he when all of a sudden Nemeth comes out and I say the Rangers have learned the first step, which is take the bad defenseman out of the lineup, and the second step is play the best six defenseman that you have in your organization. A, a couple people were like, no, he said a defenseman's banged up. Yeah, and the Rangers have a captain. That's that's what I have to say to you. The Rangers do have a captain. Motherfucker his, name, lion. his name is Chris Kreider. Yeah, well, whatever. He's fucking lying. All right, let's get to some five-star questions, and we'll get to Shayna. Uh, this is from Tom Ertz. It's a little bit long. Given the history of liking the player, for those who don't know, the New York Rangers wanted to trade for Mc, trade McDonough for Clayton Keller. Uh, who also plays for Arizona. Do you think that New York Rangers would try and trade for Clayton Keller and Chikrin because that would eat up a good portion of this year's deadline cap? Essentially, that would close the door on Strom, but Keller's contract, uh, because of Keller's contract, and the New York Rangers' uh, wing depth is such is is going is uh, as such going forward. Panarin, Kreider, Lafreniere on the left wing, and Keller, Kako, Gauthier on the right wing. I just don't see the Keller stuff happening. I don't. Not just that. I don't see the math happening. I, yeah, isn't that Keller, too- like you're adding eleven million dollars in salary and you? Barely have that much space next year, and that's if you don't sign Kako. Yeah, uh, I don't see it, uh, Tom. I, maybe you can explain the cap a little bit better with me, Clayton Keller. I know they liked him in the past, but I think those feelings have kind of changed. I think they thought Clayton Keller would be a lot uh, more of a player at this point in time. And I yeah, I mean, is. it's you, you can make you can make an argument that the New York Rangers don't have a problem with adding players who have salary caps for next season. I still don't. I still think Drury's mindset is unless it's a special player like Chicker and he's not adding money, 
to next year's accounting at this point in time. But there's too many years and too much money on that Clayton deal for him to not be the player we thought he was going to be at this point in time. Is box ass. So our goal differential is t- plus 20, which is around some of the other teams that are worshipped for being extraordinary. Tampa, the Caps, etc. Just pointing it out. We may not score in 5v5, but we keep finding ways to win. Question is, does it matter? Really? Or are we just sinning and being old hockey guys by thinking that? And in addition to that, or is this just con- is this just a concern that this style of hockey won't work in the playoffs? Yeah, I think that's our big concern, right? I mean, yeah, it's hard to be I, bad at 5v5. Run, run differential and goal differential are funny stats because the New York Rangers, they play close games, right? They don't get blown out of the building, the Hurricanes game notwithstanding. But even then, it's still just a three-goal game. The Rangers are always going to play it close, but the Rangers' problem is with as special as their goaltending is, these games shouldn't be that close. So if anything, you can t- look at the Rangers' goal differential with how many wins that this team has. What was tonight? Win number 27 on the season, I believe? Yep. Um, 28. When you have that 27 wins and your goal differential is just plus 20, that doesn't feel very convincing or special to me. And I I think that's more of a – not a red flag, but another example of why the Rangers need to do more. It The Rangers don't blow teams out. The Rangers don't get blown out. So they're And they're winning more games than they're losing. I expect their goal differential to be about one a game. And it's super and important it's, to say this. Like, this team certainly has something special going on. They win a lot of games they shouldn't win. And that, that means something. It really does. It doesn't matter what the stats say, what the charts say, the culture. Well, I mean, the stats and the charts are all saying the same thing. Igor Shosturk is the best goaltender in hockey. That, that, that's what it's saying. <laughs> like, it, it's – but it, we, we when we say the Rangers have to do something to show up 5v5, it's not like we're condemning the entire roster. It's just the they are good enough right now where they shouldn't be this bad. But at this point, you can't just bank on things turning around, so you have to add another ingredient into this recipe. Uh, this is from SVS2112. Do we have a system mismatch for Gallant's heavy forechecking system in the top six we have? Carolina plays the system that Gallant usually historically plays, and it seems some of our top six wingers outside of Kreider and maybe Kako at times aren't the fast forechecking guys. I feel stylistically there is something off here. And there is. There is something off here. Kreider and Kako can do that, but uh, a lot of even your centers, I mean, Ryan Strom has become much better at this this year. If you watch Ryan Strom, his defensive numbers have been extremely uh, on the up, on the uprise, and on the uptick, but Strom has been great with it. Mika has a problem with it once in a while. Uh, this is not really part of Panarin's game. He does do some forecheck, but not probably the style that Gallant wants. I, I, I think Gallant has to realize that he has a lot of talent and fit his. I, I think he knows that he has to take his system and kind of mold it to what he has, and it hasn't just hit there fully offensively just yet. Yeah, good. Good coaches don't come to a team with a system and expect the team play the system. Good coaches build the system around the team that they have. And I, I don't think Gallant is quite there yet with trying to tweak the system that he's known forever to this Ranger roster. And I think that's a big reason why we're seeing these struggles at even strength that we've never seen before. At the same time, Gallant's power play system is fucking perfect. Like, I don't, I don't know. So it's, it's not like I'm going to come here and say that Gerard, Gerard Gallant's a bad coach. It's just the great coaches don't come somewhere with, like, a mindset of, Here's my blueprint. This is what we're going to do. The great coaches understand that everything is subject to change because you have to you have to play to your players' best abilities. And he's not quite there yet. This is from Nick I. Who do you think the most likely to fall off a cliff first is? The Penguins, the Capitals, or the Bruins? I'm gonna go Caps. 
I'm going to go Bruins just because I, I, I'm curious to see what this team does without Marchand. Because my thought is the Bruins were one key injury away from not being the team that we thought they were. And now it's happened. Took her ass and they were already before. playing poorly. Uh, I, I'll say this. I bet and DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> yes, yes. Ad's bet and won. The Vegas was an underdog going into Washington tonight. That just felt wrong to me. And I, I won. So I was right. But the Capitals, to me, it's not that I expect them to fall off a cliff. I just think their tires are pumped a little too much. This is from Chris from Florida. I know Eichel is in Vegas now uh, and will be and will be for his contract. But we'll be but going back and looking at it, if both Chickren and Eichel were available last summer, who do you think makes this team uh, able to compete for multiple cups? The answer is Jack Eichel, and it is not close. Yeah, it, and that's not a knock on Chickren. It's just Chickren. Chickren isn't that guy like Jack Eichel. Jack is a top at some 10 point, NHL player, and when he comes back, you're going to be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We haven't seen him in a while, so some people are forgetting how special Jack Eichel is. Yeah. But Eichel's that guy. He's that, he's that good guy. Good friend of the show, Fitz would say. Uh, Toaster Daddy. What's up, Toaster Daddy? Oh, With multi-point game in the last night, dear God, what we must do, <laughs> what have we must done to get uh, done to Gurgiev? Uh, do you think D'Angelo would be an asset on this current team, or do you think the attitude issues uh, would be like an anti-Revo effect? Uh, I, th- I think uh, we've said it on the podcast so the day that Tony got kicked off the team. He did it to himself, man. That's it. The- I don't know if he'd be an asset. Um, he's clearly an asset now at a million dollars on ice. He's a, he's, he's a really great offensive defenseman who sometimes struggles defending. Um, but there are there are some issues with him, and, and uh, they're very well cataloged, and you can find them. I don't think he would be an and- asset. No, and again, it's just because he's doing well on another team doesn't mean he'd do well on the Rangers because you'd have to think of the situation in which he'd be playing. He'd be a bottom pair defenseman paired again with someone like Patrick Nemeth. They'd get caved in defensively at 5v5. Like they did. And Tony wouldn't be on the top power play unit. It would still be Fox. So what, what Tony is being able to do in Carolina is just not something he'd be able to do with the Rangers. So his value would be completely different because he'd be deployed completely different. The Rangers want to break up Lindgren Fox. They're not going to break up Miller Truba seemingly for any reason. So he's your bottom pair right-handed defenseman playing with Patrick Nemeth because that still would have been the priority. The Rangers, for whatever reason, would not have wanted to play Jones, Schneider, or Lundquist with Tony. And that bottom pair would be caved in every night. And he would not see a lot of power play time. Would the Rangers be a little better 5v5 offensively? Possibly if he was able, ever able to have the puck on his stick because the he, the Rangers wouldn't be giving up possession when he was on the ice. I don't know. I, I No, I don't think he'd be that big of an asset for the New York Rangers, and I don't think the New York Rangers miss him that much. I know they don't miss Brendan Lemieux. Jesus fucking Christ. Get out of here. What a, <laughs> what a piece of garbage. Uh, yeah, you think Duguay's going to say that he was loved in the locker room tonight? Definitely wasn't, I'll tell you that. Uh, this is from David. While, while the meme of uh, is this team good has been brought up by con- inconsistent play in the last stretch, what would you do to make this team more consistent? Uh, trades. Uh, we're, we we talk about this constantly, so you can you can, you can hear the rest of it. Yeah, uh, as as built, the New York Rangers are incomplete. So what would I do to make the Rangers more complete? I'd complete the project. That's correct. Due this, date is a little past due. This is from Zangarang. The question is coming right after the second period in the Coyotes game, which has obviously got me thinking about the top line after Gallant moved Panarin up there to right wing. Is Kreider, Mika, Panarin, and Lafreniere, Strom, Kako our answer to the top six problem? Or do you think that focuses too much talent on the top line? 
I think I think the problem is that Panarin and Strom love each other. They make out in the car. He drives them <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> they can't get you can't break them up. The the problem is the real here's a real theory. There's two couples on this team and they're both dating and they're both in love with each other and it's Panarin Mika and Kreider. Yeah, it's Panarin and Strom and Mika and Kreider. They both have bromances, they both put a ring on it and you can't separate them. That's the issue. I mean, the real issue with this team is, for whatever reason, Kreider and Lafreniere don't want to play in the right wing. That's the real issue with this team. And again, I just, to me, I, I understand. I'm a simple-minded motherfucker. I get it. I'm not as smart as other people. But I know shortstops play second base all the time. And I know right fielders play left field all the fucking time. It can't be that fucking different. That's all I'm saying. It's positionless hockey. You're lining up once in the position you are. And then chaos ensues for 40 seconds at a time. And you're on one corner and the other guy's on the other corner and you're cycling the entire fucking time. You're telling me that these guys can't play on the goddamn line together. It just, Ryan, there are a few things in this world that grind my gears as much as those guys being like, nope, I'm left-handed. Can't do it. It's, it's not going to be able to do it. it I, I can't, I can't backhand as well as I can forehand. Fuck off. Play right wing, <laughs> one of you. That's all I want. Cryer could absolutely do it. Um, Lafreniere can do it. He's 20. He doesn't know shit. <laughs> 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 he's, a, he's a junior in college we can still teach him he hasn't declared what his minor is yet oh, we can make this happen alright this is from pure guts I actually like this question a lot but that was fucking hilarious uh, what does Adam Fox actually have to do to win the Norris again he could legit finish top 10 in scoring overall actually defends etc but I got a gut feeling somehow that won't be enough well I'll tell you what he's doing it right now he's the best defenseman of the league and, uh, him and yeah, McCarr's gonna win though that's it. Yeah, because writers, it, it's it, it's writers in every sport. It's not just hockey. It's hard it's to win twice hockey. in a row. Yeah, because they expect you to somehow be better than you were last year. And if you're and just Greg, if you're just Greg, as good as you were last year, that's bad. Greg Adam life. Fox is better than he was last year. That's insane. He is. I'm sorry. I don't know. What to, I know, but it, <laughs> I just Head, Headman's doing some magic. McCarr's gonna win. The good thing with Fox is there's really no bad choice as long as it's just traded for the rest of time between Hedman, McCarr, and Fox. You're never going to hear anyone really get bitchy and pissy. If the, it may be Dreisaitl, but I don't know. Well, I'll just have to ask fucking Jim Matheson about it. You're not going to hear anyone really complain if those three guys just win it every year. That's a good problem to have. It's just going to be the one year where fucking Drew Doughty gets it again because he leads the league in hits or some shit like that. Uh, I want to explain this one really quick. This is from John B. He's a criticism of us a little bit. So you're really trying to trade. I don't know when we tried last time we tried to trade Chris Kreider was. I think it was over the season uh, with Seattle. I Because everybody – this comes up because everyone tries to find a reason to trade someone else off this roster to create cap space. Well, you can't. And every time they do, I'm like, it's Chris Kreider. It, I don't know it's Chris Kreider or Jacob Truba. It's one of the two. That's it. And it's probably Kreider if they choose between the two. That's it. Uh, John, we're not trying to trade Chris Kreider. I promise. It's just if you want to do, do those things to move cap space, a lot of the time it's – it's I, there's not even there buyout guys. guys. It's, yeah, there, there are two guys that you can move that significantly even create if you, cap space. Even if you move uh, Barclay Goodrow, it's only $3.6 million. It's like not that much. Yeah, it, there, there are two guys, and one of them plays a position where the Rangers have too much. We, I, just, I just jokingly went on a rant about how one of them – can't play on the other side of the ice. I love Chris. One Kreider. of them, one of them is a clear, um, a, a clear redundancy in terms of extreme wealth. We think the Rangers will have a lot of right-handed defensemen, but we are yet to see any of those kids really graduate and take 
the mantle by storm. Also, one of them's getting traded this year, most likely. So there's you you trade Truba, it creates a bigger hole to replace than if you trade Kreider. I'm not saying I want the Rangers to trade Kreider. I'm saying I want to get rid of the fucking salary cap. It's the dumbest rule in sports. What I'm saying is if push comes to shove, also, this is one of those things where fans always want to trade the player that's playing a little worse than the other guy. Yeah, why does a team want to trade for that guy? Like, of course, it's easier to trade the not-as-good player. Teams want the good player, and the good players make a lot of money. And if the Rangers decide they need that money, they're going to trade the good player, and it's going to suck. It's not going to be fun, but he's the answer. He's always been the answer. He was the answer when the Rangers thought about trading him before they signed him to the extension because they didn't think they were going to win a lottery to get the number one overall pick who plays the exact same position. It's ridiculous. And I'll be honest, if if the Rangers don't win that lottery, maybe the answer is true, but, but they won the lottery. And now you have to pay the tax. State collects some of that money when you win the lottery. It's not all you. There's more people typing five-star questions right now. Uh, we've got a couple more. I'm going to skip some. Um, who are we excited about in young players to sign uh, in the NHL? We'll skip that for now. We'll come back to that one. And uh, another one about the Jets and trading for a PLD. Um, but for right now, Paul I'm going to – What was that? Paul LaDuca? Yeah, Paul, Paul, LaDuca. Paul LaDuca, yeah. Um, let's go to uh, – this is – Greg wants to, wants Hayek at forward. I understand Chikrin is a young, affordable D. What do you mean I want him at forward? That, that's, I don't want shit. That's the name of the person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a young, affordable D, man. But shouldn't the Rangers target a top six forward before anything? I think that's their top priority. But the one thing that is exciting about for them for Chikrin is that he's under control and he's a top NHL defenseman for a long time. Uh, they, yes. I think they will still they will still try and address forward no matter what. Even if they get Chikrin, they'll go at a, le- a lesser route and try and get discounted players they feel are upgrades. They'll do both. I think both will happen. Yeah, it's Chikrin is the unique the unique player where he doesn't become available very often. And if you rate him as highly as the Rangers do, you have to make an actual attempt to acquire him because you don't think that kind of player is going to show up on the market at his age and price point ever again. And if it, it's essentially the same thing with Eichel. It, the Rangers weren't looking to replace Mika Zibanejad, but they didn't quite expect Jack Eichel to be available. So they had to at least go down that road and try to get him. You, Yes, the Rangers... If you ask them today, they'd say their number one priority is probably a top six forward to help them at 5v5 scoring. I, you don't need a degree in anything complicated from Harvard like Adam Fox to understand that. But you, the Rangers also understand opportunity cost. And right now, Jacob Chikrin is exactly that. I can't blame them for going down that road. It's not like if the Rangers don't get Chikrin, it won't be the end of the world. But they have to try for a young, talented player like him. Absolutely. This question is so Greg. This is from CCTV19. This offseason, Greg spoke about how the Rangers built this team like an eight-leg parlay. Well, up to this point, only four legs are really hitting, yet the Rangers are at the top of the Metro. What happens if the other two of the four legs start hitting? Uh, they win. You, you win the Stanley Cup? <laughs> <laughs> they win. They win. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, parts, the parts that are hitting is Igor is God. Yeah, Adam Fox, Fox is God. continuing to be Adam Fox. Yeah, Panarin's still very uh, good. Chris Kreider has turned into a player we didn't expect. Yes. And the Rangers, uh, what, is, what, is, what would you say is the fourth part? I don't know. I think it's just those three. No, the defense has been solid. The top four has been good. No, the top four has been solid. I won't say the defense has been solid. Top four. I we, Yeah, but I know Miller Nemeth struggled. has been – I had a lot of questions about Truba going into this season, and he's answered all of them, so we're good. Okay. 
fine. Said so those are the four parts. If only, God, just I really didn't think the Rangers' problem this year was going to be scoring goals. I all I never considered that to be one of their. It's issues. strange, isn't it? Like, hey, this team that has just been phenomenal at creating offense is just not going to be able to do it with all the yeah, talent it has. Even we never defend, and we're never going to defend the trade that I'm not going to mention by name. But you say that you make that move because, well, we still have Zibanejad, Panarin, Kreider, Kako, Lafreniere, and Strom, and we Krafstov should still have time. enough. Yes, and and Kravtsov and Hedl. You would think like, all right. Bad deal, but it's not like this team really needed more offense. And then this entire season has happened. And we're like, Jesus fucking Christ, we needed more offense. What in God's name? Uh, Manny Jack asked predictions for the next four games. I think the Rangers will play hockey, and I think they'll win two of four. There you go. I'm not sure they'll play. I think they're going to break out something by Athlon. It's almost <laughs> oh. Olympic season. Uh, they just better win the fucking Hank game. They got to do that. Which, which Ranger do you – not Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider is eliminated. He's, He's usually the season. answer. Which Ranger do you think would have the best shot at meddling in biathlon? Legit meddling? Legit meddling. I can tell you, I don't think it's Mika. I don't think it's Adam Fox, despite him being Adam Fox. And I don't think it's Igor or Panarin. Um, Boy, this is rough. It's definitely not Kako. Why do I feel like it's Ryan Strom? Strom would be the most entertaining I don't think he'd have the best shot at meddling. I can't get my mind off Rooney. Oh, Rooney does look like he's a biathloner. But he's... not just that. It's just, again, Rooney is so solid that we don't really think about him very much. And the biathlon is going to be going on, and a lot of guys are going to be doing some ridiculous things that are going to make us laugh. And then we're going to look up, and it's going to be Kevin Rooney crossing the line first because that motherfucker flew under the radar the entire time. Send us, send us your biathlon rankings. Uh, final question uh, from K-Bomb. Who's uh now I I actually spoke to about breweries recently. Fun times. Uh, when does Gallant start getting Jack Adam buzz, or is he? And I've just been missing it. I don't think any coaches really started getting it yet, but he will be a finalist. That's for sure. How could he not be? Oh, um, you know who I think it's going to be. Who's that? It's going to be for the dumbest hockey reasons ever. Sure. It's going to be Andrew Burnett in mm-hmm. Florida. Yeah. It's going to be the ah oh, he 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 helped he helped balance the shit after. Quinville and all that. He re- they're gonna he's gonna be the adversity win. Yes. When motherfucker, Team's let's good. not call that adversity. That's Team. just an organization being fucking stupid. Team's good. All right, Team's we good. are uh, we are going to our our interview now. But before that, we're gonna take a little bit bit of a break. So let's transition over to that, and then we'll come back to Shayna Goldman for an extra long BSP podcast. Here we go. Transition. Hey folks, four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means. There are only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports partner for the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team that remains. You bet just $5 and you'll get $280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the same conference championships through their same game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. I actually hit two of these this weekend, thanks to that Travis Kelsey catch at the end of regulation in Chiefs Bills, and thanks to Mike Evans getting that long touchdown at the end of Bucks Rams. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code BLUESHIRTS and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. 
Just a $5 bet wins $280 in free bets if you win. That's promo code BLUESHIRTS for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full details. Must be 21 or older and physically present in New York. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. Nice. Hey, we're back with our first and only guest from Special Hank Week episode, Shana Goldman of The Athletic of Sportsnet and a bunch of other things. And uh, a, a, a wonderful person. Shana, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for the compliment. You're wonderful as well. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we brought you on for Hank Week because, you know, you've been, uh, you've been a solid guest for us for a long time. And it's it's been... Uh, feel like you've been around for the Henrik Lundqvist experience. We have a lot to talk about in general. We're actually recording before the Kings game. I want to point that out, this interview. Uh, the Rangers are hurt. Henrik Lundqvist week is here. And they play a back-to-back from Thursday and Friday. Is it a crime if Igor doesn't start Hank Knight? Your thoughts? Um, well, no. Because, honestly, I think that it's it's like this awkward position, too, if you think about it, like, he did essentially replace him and end his tenure in New York. He did? Had he not come up when he did, he he did that. But Georgiev did play with him. So having, you know, the person who really did share the crease with him for a little bit longer could make sense. But, like, if we look at the matchup, it's the Minnesota Wild. They're one of the better teams in the league. It should be Shesterkin. Agreed. It is a back-to-back, though, so it will be interesting to see how Gallant uh, handles this, because I know he doesn't care, but I feel like MSG has to go to him and be like, hey, listen, this is like, you have to start Igor on Friday. I'm just going to say I, I see, now, Ryan, Ryan I, I know you're saying that, but then you realize that the physical game itself is going to be on MSG+, Plus, so I don't think MSG cares too much <laughs> who's playing in it. Wait, hold on. I haven't been paying attention to where it's going to be That's shown, because we're going to be there. Yeah, it's going to be on the, MSG+. Plus. The pregame ceremony will be on MSG+. And then there will be an hour, two hours of the MSG betting content. And then it's Knicks Bucks at 10 o'clock in Milwaukee. A game, by the way, that is available on ESPN. But MSG needs to air it on MSG. So the Rangers Rangers Wild will be on MSG+. Couldn't they figure – this is Hank Knight. Couldn't they figure this out? You can put the Knicks on plus one fucking night. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) The Knicks are – you can put them on plus just fucking once. I get it. It's incredible. I saw that came up today in the Discord, and I lost my mind. I was like, "You cannot!" T- t- since this is now a tennis podcast too, you cannot be serious <laughs> with this shit. It's incredible. It's it's something that's that's damn that sucks. But I thought of this also um, with the back to back situation, unrelated. Getting back to it before we just shit all over the networks, which I'm here for. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, things like this grind my gears like no other. Um, Georgiev has started a couple back-to-backs, even though, you know, by conventional logic, you would start your better starter when you have fresh legs to give your team a better chance to win game one and then win game two versus tired legs, forcing your starting goalie to start that and then potentially losing both games. But it really depends who you talk to on that. But Georgiev has started, I think, two back-to-backs that were with Shesterkin healthy and in the lineup. He did start the the game versus the Carolina Hurricanes, which I I felt... Go I still have no problem with Georgiev starting against the Hurricanes. Zero. I I understand I understand the final result. I understand the score line. I understand everything that happened in that game. I have no. There are a lot of things Gallant has done to really irk me this year, and I'm sure we're going to talk about one of them after the game tonight, especially if they go 11-7 with their lineup. I hate decisions. 11-7. But 
Georgiev, Georgiev starting. Cowards. Yeah, <laughs> Georgiev starting against the Canes to this day. I thought that's why players love playing for Gallant because that's a that is a drop the nuts kind of coaching decision, and I respect the hell out of it. I don't win or lose that game. It's the decision making process Gallant used to allow Georgiev to have that revenge game. I respect the hell out of that. He gets he gets a gold star in my book for that one. And can I add, he did not cost them that game. Was he perfect? No. But the team in front of him was an actual tire fire. Maybe Chesterkin would have been better behind that, you know, because he's elite. It didn't matter. But, yeah, know, I, yeah, the I rest didn't, of the team didn't get the memo about the game being a 7 Yeah, I, I, really, I really push back on the narrative. And I saw it from a couple people that I like and respect. I'm not going to call them out. And I don't think it was Lou. So I want to make sure that it wasn't him. <laughs> okay. But... I, I really push back on anyone being like, that's why you're supposed to start Igor in that game. The Rangers might have lost, given up four goals and still lost with Igor net. The first three goals off the top of my head, Georgiev had no shot on them because his defense let him out to dry. And it, any goalie, Hank even, doesn't have that great of a chance if you're not going to play anything in front of him. The Rangers team no-showed that game. Georgiev was the least of their worries against the Hurricanes. So, I respect the move. I honestly was embarrassed for the teammates to not understand, not one of them to understand that that's a big game for your goalie and you have to play a little harder in front of them. It was Adam Fox's worst game as a Ranger, I think, ever. Um, everybody everybody kind of just... Who knew it was possible? I know. I, it, it was it, The limits didn't exist until then at that point. And Adam Fox... Uh, he wasn't the only one. It was pretty much everyone. Everyone looked like crap, and every single former Ranger scored, including Tony D'Angelo, Jesper Fast, and everybody Everybody that was a Ranger contributed. Former Ranger, that is, except for Antti Ranta, but I'm sure he clapped on the bench. So uh, <laughs> just just a, a devastating uh, – I wouldn't say devastating loss because, it, right, like it's the NHL you can lose any single night, but Carolina – the Hurricanes, if you listen to the, the post-game interviews, because I did because I'm spiteful and I wanted the drama, you could tell. Like, Jesper Fast was like, I've been waiting for this game for a long time. Like, this was yeah, – was- this was the, meant a the lot. D word, the D word you're looking for, Ryan, is deflating because it was it was the first. Yeah. It was one of it, probably up there with the Capitals game, which was equally deflating to open the season. Where those were probably the two biggest regular season games, all because of decisions the coaches made and the team made going into the game. And both times the Rangers capitulated. Both times capitulated. It's a good reality check, though. In all honesty, like obviously nobody won't. Fans don't want to hear, oh, the team should have lost the game, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, that's not what I'm trying to say. But sometimes when a team is riding high and there are flaws along the, along the way, they're not going to fix them because they're winning games. Their biggest problem this season has been going up against contenders and playing at that same level. Um, it's straightened out, you know, in different games, and it's not like a one thing fits all. But we've seen it numerous times where they fall short to those contenders. So here's one that they might have to face in the playoffs in – you know, possibly round one, possibly round two, um, if they get that far and if everything shakes out the way it does. So they need to know that they can match up against them and that that's an aggressive forechecking team and that's a team that can pile on the shots. So you need to prepare for that. And if you can't hold your own at that level at five on five, you know, it's great that your power play is clicking, especially because their penalty kill is so good. Um, You can rely on your goaltending because, again, as we said, it wasn't the problem no matter who was in net. I would, you know, assume that they wouldn't have been the issue in that game. But you see where the flaws of this team are. So sometimes it does help to see it and go, okay, wait, we need to step back and look at what went wrong and try to address it moving forward. And that was a good game to do it. Absolutely. Uh, 
to that point, to that point though, Shane, and let me let me ask this question: Does it concern you at all that the in-game adjustment Gerard Gallant, Gallant, whatever the fuck, decided <laughs> uh, to make was that his top line wasn't heavy enough, and he gave Reeves more time? Um, do I think that was the right move? No, no, I, no, no, no. I mean, I, the obvious answer to that is no. I, no. What level of they concern do you have that when when pushed in that way against the team of this caliber? His instinctual reaction was not, how do I best counter this? It's, I just need to play heavier. I think in one way it's a red flag because that generally isn't the answer. Coming off, you know, strong game, maybe that's what they were thinking. So it was more than just, you need to play heavier. Maybe there was something injury related because now we know that Kako's week to week. So, you know, who can you pull from your bottom six because you don't have the depth? There are a couple different things that could play into that decision. If, we see that become a trend moving forward. They're struggling. They're going to go, we need to get heavier. Not we need more skill, which is what they need. No question. Um, then, you know, it, it's a red flag. But either way, their answer, based on who they had in the lineup, I feel like it would have been we needed more stability and two-way play on that line. So it would have been someone like Barkley Goudreau or someone who's trusted defensively like that. Or we need to get heavier. Like, those are the two options that you can really get if you look to your bottom six besides Alexi Lafreniere. You know, that's – what they have on this roster. So I guess they have to work with whatever they have. There was just, I, I, I kind of forgive Gallant a little bit for putting Reeves up there. I think now that we know that Kako is week to week, he's obviously on the IR. Uh, my uh, trained medical eye, I'm not a doctor, thinks it might be a wrist issue. You can watch, if you watch the game back, you can watch Kako kind of flex his right wrist over and over again. He seemed to be wincing in pain. And I just think he didn't want to break up the other two lines. I know he puts Kako on the line with uh, Strom and Panarin for a couple minutes, and then Kako doesn't play as much the rest of the game, and now he's out for a few weeks. So I think maybe just bringing Reeves up. Reeves had a hell of a couple games there, and they wanted to, like, I don't know, spice up life. Uh, And the best way to spice up life is Ryan Reeves, if I have to say so myself. So it's fine. I I am worried about the philosophy of, right, get heavier, not more skilled in the long run. I don't think that's going to be the case, but... Now that we know the you know officially that Kako's going to be out for a few weeks and he's legitimately very injured, I the Ryan Reeves kind of moving up to the top line makes a little bit more sense in the moment at least. Yep, um, exactly that. Like it's it, it's you know it's one move one game. It's not like we've seen this happen before, and you know the team needed a boost. You shake it up sometimes. You know, you go for that energy guy. Should that be your strategy every game? No. Do you hope that you're in that position every game? No. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see where it goes from there. And, you know, maybe it'll push him to keep his game up, too, because he was playing, you know, he had one of the best games of his Rangers career. One of the best games he's had in recent seasons, I think, you know, coming into that. Uh, Is is Uh, what – oh, go on, Greg, go on. No, 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 no. You first. Is what Chris Tipperkreider doing sustainable? And is there, is there a chance that Chris could legitimately somehow in the season of our Lord and Savior, Chris Kreider, uh, <laughs> lead the league in goals at the end of the season? So this is something I might dig into at Sportsnet soon because I am a little bit curious about the scoring race and I love to look into sustainability things. Here's a couple things about his game. He doesn't pass the puck very much. Yes, nope. we've seen his, um, his assists rise as of late, which is taking him out of the Cy Young a little bit. But um, he generally has focused on shooting over passing this year more than usual. So in, you know, one way that's, that's a way to look at it and go, okay, there is a good chance that he can, you know, continue to score that way. Um, he's finishing above expectations, but the problem with expected goals, or it's not even a problem. It depends how you look at it. 
the expected goal models that we use in the public sphere for the most part don't account for shooting talent. So they're not going to account for the fact that he has great hand-eye coordination. Um, a couple things help him. One, the power play is shooting the puck more than they have in years past. So when he's standing in front of the net, there's a higher percentage chance that he's going to tip or deflect a goal in because they're shooting the puck more, which is what he needs to happen for him to do his thing. And, you know, we know how good he is in that role. And obviously he's improved himself, but the team around him improving him in that situation is going to help him score more. Um, the other part of it too is we've seen a couple goals come from the right wing when he comes up and he has a better shooting angle coming from that side, even though he, you know, the shift to the right didn't work. It's just a shift or two here that you see uh, that works for him. And uh, sometimes I think maybe teams expect Zibanejad to be the shooter on the line at even strength. And if, it, you know, Kreider can take over that role a little bit more. So there's more of a dual threat. That's not a bad thing either. So there's a couple reasons why we can see some uh, sustainability, but most of it does stem from his finishing talent. Will we see Dreisaitl up there in the race? Yeah, even if Edmonton's falling apart. I expect him to still score goals, even if they become, you know, empty calorie scoring. And Alex Ovechkin is, I mean, that that's... You don't have to say steroids, but, like, I'll score. say it for you. Keep going. <laughs> um, well, do I think he'll win the scoring trophy at the end of the year? I'd be a little surprised if like Austin Matthews doesn't kick it up a couple notches too, especially because we see like the differences in games played, you know, especially with mm -hmm. so many Canadian teams not playing games for certain stints of time. But I do think that Chris Kreider, the way he's playing can keep himself in that race. And I think a lot of it has to do with him and a lot of it has to do with the situation. So he should stay in the race, if not win it. I don't think, should... sorry, he should stay, to, stay in the race. I don't expect him to win it, but Hey, like, who saw that? You know, who saw him having such an unreal year after his game? It did look like it was trending in the wrong direction. Shayna, we've we've talked ad nauseum uh, about what ails this Rangers roster, and I think some people get frustrated that we talk about what ails this Rangers roster because of where they are in the playoff standing. But we are now far enough in the season to know, for the most part, who's going to be available, who the Rangers should potentially have interest on why it's not going to be JT Miller. We have all that information. So who, in your eyes, best helps the Rangers solve this five-on-five -five offensive situation that they have? I, I don't want to say crisis because <laughs> I think that would, you know, scare some people, but they are bad at scoring the puck 5v5. Who is out there that's realistically attainable you can see the Rangers sinking their teeth into? So – before we even get to who they should start with, it's who they shouldn't go with. Um, I know it was reported on 32 Thoughts by Jeff Merrick on Saturday about uh, Jake DeBrusque and the Rangers inquiring about him. I don't think that's the best option for them. I think that DeBrusque has not shown the level of consistency at the NHL level for a team to invest too much in him, and I don't think that he thrives on the right, which is what they need. They really don't need another left winger um, unless – we saw Kreider thrive on the right or Lafreniere, but no Which matter what, have not. you know, that's going to put him. Yeah. So it just, that doesn't really make enough sense to me. Um, players that might make sense. I think if you look at uh, defenders, because they do need to one defend better, uh, especially the slot area, they just keep leaving that exposed and they're lucky that their goaltending is as outstanding as it is. Um, I do like the idea of Chikorin because he's not a rental. And I think that at this point in time, it's it's a little interesting if you look at the Rangers timeline and then you can define what they should be looking for. And this is something I plan to write about uh, like real soon about like their window of contention. Um, but 
it, that'll decide whether you think they should be spending assets for a rental for this year alone versus that long-term piece. I like Jacob Trickern because he has a very reasonable contract. He signed for three years after this year, and he could slot into that second pair, you know, very easily or a third pair without that cost becoming an issue. It's it's all about what it takes to attain him, and it's going to be a lot, rightfully so. Uh, but he's interesting to me because I think he'll bring some offense from the blue line, and, you know, it never hurts to have that. Um, and the other defenseman that does intrigue me a bit is Mark Giordano because I think even at this phase in his career, he's still a good steady presence on the blue line. It does help to have him paired up with someone, uh, you know, who's capable and you can't expect him to drive the pair by himself, but he'll shoot the puck a lot from the point and he's still good in his own zone. So those are for the defensive side. I think we'll improve both sides of the puck for the Rangers. Um, offensively, I think you need to be looking at it. The center conversation is a little bit tricky because it really depends on what they plan on, you know, doing moving forward. But I, I, you know, if we focus in on the wingers, Riley Smith is intriguing to me. This is an all situation player. He thrived under Gallant. Um, He plays the right wing. You can have him on your penalty kill and he can help generate and disrupt, you know, while shorthanded and uh, he has a good shot. So I think that makes for an interesting option if he becomes available um other players that you know might be intriguing uh i mean look i think claude drew would be really great you know i think he's a very good top six player he could play center he could play wing either side and he's done a lot for the flyers even though he doesn't have much around him and he's had to be the guy at times this year when he should be one of the guys uh he has a no movement clause so i don't think that he's gonna wave it to go to the rangers um Mm, how uh, do you know well, I don't. I would just nice. assume, but I, you know, you know what assuming does. It makes an ass out of you and me. So I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh yeah, it's, he's You're not describing do the podcast, it. I Shana." Be, <laughs> I would just be, um, I would be surprised. But uh, you know, Hurdle is one of the best players on the market. He's going to cost an arm and a leg. You can't keep Ryan Strom if you go for or, uh, Hurdle. Do I say that as you can't make the move? No, but you know, it. That's a tricky one right there. And um, if they're looking for more utility, could they go for Cali Yarncroft? Sure. Do I think they need more third-line players? Not so much. And, uh, yeah, I think the focus right now, unless they know what they're doing with Strom or they want to keep him as their own rental, which if they're going all in this year and they think this is the best chance to do it, go off, it, it's, it's wingers. And it needs to be a winger that can play on the right side. And it needs to be – you know, a player who can shoot the puck. They don't just need steady defensive players, you know. They need high offense players that can keep up and play that speed game that they're trying to they're trying to have, but they're, you know, they're struggling a bit with their five-on-five play. Can All right, you- two follow-up questions to that, Shayna. The first, um, can the Rangers afford to wait out Vegas with Riley Smith? Because it's clear they're not really going to make a move until Eichel's ready. And that could still be at least another month away. Are the Rangers in a spot in your mind where if they really want Smith, they can play this waiting game and wait that extra month before trying to get the player in, get him situated, help this team out, figure out if he's the missing piece? Um, I think any team is going to want to have that like extra bit of time for it. Uh, but you never know. You know, like, it would help to see if they click. I think that knowing how well Smith played in Vegas, under Gallant, in the system that he's trying to instill here, that they're struggling to, to you know, execute every game, 
I would say I would give him the benefit of the doubt that he doesn't need that catch-up period. I don't think that they should just spend two outs, spend the others, make the conversation happen now. I think that's a huge mistake, and I think we've seen that before. It's like, you know, they traded a pick for Barkley Goudreau because they wanted to be the first to negotiate with him, but they didn't get any sort of benefit out of it. They didn't get a lesser-term deal or, you know, fewer years, less dollars. Like, this, that's that's the thing. You know, if you're doing that, you want it that you're getting in before the market set, so maybe you can lower the price. I don't think that would be the case right now. But that's just my guess, and, I, you know, that's just where my head would be right now. I think he's one of the few players maybe they can wait on because they should – feel confident he'll fit in second question you said the rangers desperately need to add someone probably on the wing specifically the right wing who liked to shoot the puck you didn't say phil kessel well he's a rental so you're saying in your mind that you would only be shopping for people with term you're, no. you're not in the business of getting one-year deal boys no um i think they can go for one-year players depending on the price I don't think there's some outstanding pool of players that I, you know, if the price is super low for Phil Kessel and you want to go for it this year, go ahead. What are the chances they try to resign him? And how will his game be over the next couple of years? Because they have to think about that as much as they want to make a move. Now their core is set for the next couple of years. That price is set. It's very high. They need to make the most out of it. They can't only do it this year. Then why did you just invest all this money for the next couple of years? You know, some teams wait until their team wins to start spending money left, right, and sideways. They did it beforehand to hope that they had this window of time with these players that they're paying a lot of money for. So I just think that they need to figure out how best to balance that and figure out a way to help the team now and in the future without going back to square one in in the offseason, unless they feel confident that they're going to have an internal option or something like that. But what are the chances that they get Phil Kessel at a low enough price somehow manage to either keep him or replace him so it's not just a one-shot move that helps him for a couple months and that's it. And if they decided to keep him for, say, two years after that, how will his game hold up? You know, like, I think those are the questions because you look at, you just have to keep looking at the window of their ages and their cap spent. So you're not you're not uh, very much into the rental idea then. Anybody you rent, you have to try and extend and get value out of is what you're saying. Depending on the cost you acquire. If you're acquiring some for a fourth-round pick, even a third-round pick if they're an effective player, because let's face it, what are the chances that that third-round pick is going to turn into something that can help? You know very, low. I mean? like very low. Very right. low. Well, and I think about, that gets about, overvalued about, all the time. How about this, Shayna? What, give me a better idea as what is too much then in your eyes for Phil Kessel. The Rangers have two second-round picks in mm-hmm. next year's draft. One of them is theirs, which is going to be pretty late in the round, it seems. The other is the Blues, which is going to be pretty late in the round, it seems. The odds are almost equally low for a late second rounder being as valuable as anybody in the third round. Is one of those two second round picks and a lesser prospect too much in your eyes for Phil Kessel? Well, I'm just no. trying to find. I'm trying to find the line in your eyes. I don't. I don't know if that's. I don't know if that's too high. I do think it depends on what else is going on at, at the same time. Like you know, you have to look around at the prices around the market. It's just like the same as. We looked at this offseason and how many terrible defensive contracts were there. Nemeth was the best of the bunch. How is it working out so far? It still isn't good. It's better than uh, everybody else. But it's uh, the the update, by the way, is Nemeth got scratched tonight for Lieber Hayek. That is where we are now. He's banged up, okay? He's banged defenseman. up. He's banged up. He's definitely hurt. Not They don't hate him, for sure. It's definitely not personal <laughs> reasons. Okay, keep going. <laughs> it's just 
look, maybe they can go for that. I just don't think that's the only move they need to make. You know what I mean? I think that they're going to be looking to, to do maybe a little bit more than just one winger. So if that's the case, how much are you investing in, you know, this year? If they can get Mark Giordano for a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick and think that's the answer, you know, that's an answer, I'm interested. I'm listening. If they're saying Phil Kessel for a second-round pick or a third-round pick, that could be fine, too. It does depend on what goes on around them. If they say, hell, Ben Sherrod is this steady presence on the blue line. Let's go for a second-round pick for him. I'm going to look at that and go, oh, no, that's not the right move. So it, it's like this tricky thing, and it really does depend on, like, what else is going on around. But if the smartest move they can make is if, is looking at what other contenders have done. You look at Tampa Bay, they don't really go for rentals. They go for that player that's going to help them for a year and a half. That's a huge win for them if they can do the same thing. You know, if they can find that player that's going to have, be signed you're, for a You're describing year. JT Miller, cool. as you know. The yeah, JT Miller him, one though. is really, it is tricky. Like, okay. The, the problem is they had a player. They developed a player. They did not make him work at center. They did not put their all into develop, developing the player in some ways. And I think in some ways there were other issues going on too. So you, you look at Miller and go, you traded him away. And now you want him back all this time later? It, it would be the same move as, you know, everybody says, oh, maybe they should trade back for Pavel Buchnevich. And it's like, no, you got rid of him in the best point of his career. You're not going to get him back at that point. If they think Miller's a fix, it's, it's interesting. It's a conversation starter. That's for damn sure. Do I think it's the right move? I'm really not sure. Are you playing him at center or wing? Because honestly, you're trading for him. He's been, you know, he can play center. Is his value going to be closer to a center and you're going to put him on the wing? Like, there's so many questions that I would have on how they can make that work and what their intentions would be for him that I go, mm, is that really, like, do you not have a new idea? Do you not have, you know, an interesting idea? You look at, like, Blake Coleman. Did anyone value Blake Coleman as much as they did after he played for five minutes in Tampa Bay? You want to find that player that's going to break out for you instead of the player that you either had before or broke out elsewhere, and now you're paying top dollar for it. He's one of the Canucks' best, best players. You know, no matter what, they're not going to hand him away for nothing. Well, not, not, just, not just that, but I understand the want and desire to acquire a player that might have another year of control. But the New York Rangers have backed themselves into a corner where this is really their last year of true cap space. If you acquire JT Miller, you're saying that you value him at his cap price more than you value Ryan Strome at whatever his cap price is. And I got to if it's equal to that. Right. And I got to tell you, it's Strome all day. I like, that's why there are a lot of reasons why I don't see the New York Rangers trading for JT Miller. And I will eat all the crow if they end up do trading for him. But the largest to me is you're telling me I need to choose between JT Miller and Ryan Strome right now. And my answer isn't going to be Ryan Strome. That doesn't seem like the correct answer at this point in time. Yeah, no. It doesn't. And I think that there might be other players that, you know, you can just look around and see how you can get better. No, look, if they're trading for JT Miller, Jacob Chikrin, whatever, they're sending their young prospects for it. The prospects that were supposed to help this team extend their cup window to play them on their entry-level years and to extend the defense when their current defenders start trending, you know, they start getting older. Obviously, it's not at that point that they have to worry about it right now. They have defenders who are in their prime, younger, whatever. They're not, you know, this isn't the same as rolling out a defense that's filled with 30-year-olds and 35-year-olds or 32-year-olds. It is such a different situation. 
but you also need to be smart that you work this hard to build something if you're going to be moving these picks that are huge, right? They were so big for the franchise to get them, to only use them as trade fodder. Like, you need it to be for the right move. And I think, I think the big names can be distracting. I think that character guys can be distracting. And I think we've seen moves burn the team in the past, but they just need to be super careful that they find a player that's the right fit and that they consider now and moving forward, unless they genuinely think this is their best year to contend and go for it, which is really tough when you consider how good the East is when you have Florida thriving, Tampa, Carolina, Pittsburgh, Washington, who the fuck knows what the Islanders are going to do. I mean, they have so many games played and it's going to be tough for them, but Hey, they're still there. And the Bruins, there's, there's so many teams that can be making noise right now that they need to look at and go, can we beat all of them? If you think you can do whatever you have to do. But I think that they do need to be realistic about it. I mean, maybe they're hoping that they have this fairy tale story that it doesn't matter. Their five on five numbers suck and it turns around at the right See, the, time. Yeah. This is far, where I'm at. Whatever. This is why I think they're in on, on Chikrin more than anything else, to be honest with you. It's because Chikrin yeah. has the control for the four years. I know you're going to write the story about the window, but I think the window for the New York Rangers is the next three, four years. And if you can roll out Jacob Chikrin and Adam Fox on your defense with Igor Shesterkin, like I think you have a chance in any playoff game. It doesn't really matter who yep. you They've had worse offensive talent than Artemi Panarin, Mika Sabinajad, the first overall pick, the second overall pick, and Chris fucking Kreider uh, in front of Henrik Lundqvist in the past. It's not like that hasn't happened before. So if you're going to go ahead and trade these things, like you said, that took a long time to accrue and during the rebuild like Niels or or even Matthew like a lower prospect like Matthew Robertson not that he would be involved in the chicken deal but I digress you 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 do it you try and get those controlled assets I'm still with Gregory that they should go out and get a Giroux or whoever they can that or maybe a Joe Pavelski I would love that um whoever, yeah, whoever they can at I the mean, deadline look at the season he's having oh yeah well I actually want to kind of ask you um you and I you and I hear things we talk we chit chat right and mm-hmm. I think in the past, the past couple years, really the past two years, I started getting things and I was like, wow, people actually trust me. This is incredible. (laughs) Um, But on top of that, I felt like everyone kind of had the same messaging. Everyone kind of had, I got all the same information from various places, people that didn't know each other. I was like, all right, this, this all makes sense. Even on the Eichel stuff from over the summer, when you really dug, dug down, it all came down to like the same five pieces of information that came back over and over again. Now with this new Drury era, that we're in now, do you find that there's there's as much, much mixed messaging as ever from the New York Rangers? Because I feel like there's there's a million conflicting stories every single day, you know, between Vince, uh, Valley tweeting out, JT Miller, Vince asking mm-hmm. him to explain it, like I'm five, like please what's going on, and then like a really mixed report for interest. I feel like the Rangers, in, in realistic terms, are calling everybody and trying to get the best deal possible. Isn't that what they should be doing? Yes. Shouldn't, you know... I think the thing, too, is we have to remember teams make a shit ton of calls. They should make a shit ton of calls or they're not doing their job. Because even if you weren't, you know, setting your sights on a player, let's say that they were not setting their sights on a player like Claude Drew, that they felt that they could get him for a reasonable price and they feel that they could get, you know, you can get one over on a desperate team somewhere. Maybe Chicago becomes that desperate team. They really want assets quickly. Or maybe Montreal wants to speed things up and make it a retool. Not a rebuild, but a retool. There's so many different teams out there with so many things going on right now. You're not doing your job if you're not assessing every single option out there. Because maybe the option that you didn't think was attainable or you didn't consider before can be had for a price that you are more than willing to make happen. And you realize, that's the move you should have been going for this entire time. You should be, you know? So information yeah it's going to be conflicting that's just you know 
it is what it is for every single team. And things can be a little bit confusing when you hear that, but which is why it's, you know, sometimes it has to go in one ear and out the other. And sometimes you have to keep in mind who you want to listen to when you want to listen to them or whatever. And maybe like, you don't want to know it at all until it happens. That is like your prerogative. Um, I think some people just don't care about this shit until it happens because they just want to enjoy the game and there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it's so important if you do care about this stuff, just to keep in mind that everything can change in a second. You don't know because for all we know, look, other teams in the East might look at this and go, this is our year. Look at the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. Look at their contracts for next season. They have nobody signed. They have so few players signed. They need to figure out if this is going to be the last kick at the can with this core. If it is, guess what? You might need to make an investment. You're going to stop. Maybe you want to get in the way of the Rangers, you know, doing something to better your chances. We know teams are competitive in that way, even if it's a stupid move that they go for. They want to better their chances. There's so many other things to consider, you know, that it's so tough to go. This one report is a thousand percent accurate or this person. We don't fucking know anything. Well, not just not just that, but just to echo both your points, because it's easy to look at every trade rumor from the Rangers must be the team that created this rumor. I think as fans, we often forget that. Think about the New York Rangers as a bait team in the other team's mind. They have $35 million in trade space at the uh, deadline. They have a clear need. They are a big market, and they are playing really good hockey that a lot of people didn't expect them to play at this point in the season. Every team is going to say the New York Rangers are interested in their players because it's conceivable. It's possible. You can scare a team into thinking the Rangers are further down the road than they might be because any team looks at the Rangers and go, oh, fuck, they can do that. They have the prospects, they have the picks, they have the money, and they're one of the few teams where it won't have to be dollar in, dollar out. So you hear an insider or any team or any person connected to a team saying, oh, I'm hearing the Rangers are interested in so-and-so, you have to remember that that could just be coming from the other team to scare a different team into making a better trade. That'll benefit them. So I, I think we, we, we sometimes lose the forest through the trees when we see trade rumors, and we just assume that everything the Rangers are connected to, it must be Chris Drury dialing a phone and saying he wants X, when really it's the other team making a player available and using the best bargaining chip in their power to get the most value for that player. And this year, it's going to be the New York Rangers. The New York Rangers are going to be connected to everybody because that's how other teams are going to drive up the price on their players. That's what I think is happening with JT Miller. And you said that extremely well, yeah. Greg. Good job. All right. Yeah, I think, was, I'm, really, I'm good, good at the podcast. I think that's the end of it. I, we can't top that. Um, Shane, I, well, I, oh. I want to end. I want to end on this. Note. I lied. Um, okay, let's it, go. I know, what's, well, I know where we're going. Let's go. It, no, it's not. First of all, I would never be. Sabalenka doesn't need to know what you did to her. I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not gonna let you do that to her. So I was going to say it's it's Hank week. So I feel like, Shane, oh. we should get your number one Hank moment. Number one Hank moment. Like when oh you when you think of Henrik Lundqvist, New York Ranger, what's the one game you think of? I think the back-to-back shutouts in the playoffs. Me too. I think that shows his complete and utter dominance, and it was questioned a lot. It's very funny because here's this generational talent. You had him and Roberto Longo for a very long time, the two goalies, and I think yeah, they Lane both Vigno. got undersold by yeah, Lane by... Vigneault. <laughs> yeah, right. Of course, two unlucky goalies, generational talents, unlucky goalies. Um, but I think it, sometimes it got undersold and I don't think it was recognized the team around him, just how little 
shooting talent, scoring ability, whatever you want, like that was actually around him. And he literally could take a team, carry him on his back and just do unbelievable things. His numbers through his career were absolutely ridiculous and, you know, stack up to the best of all time. And those playoff performances, I think, put it on display best. It didn't matter the pressure. It didn't matter the situation. It didn't matter anything. It, you know, he was locked in and he was out fucking standing. He's unbelievable. I mean, even some of the the Capitals series, I, I, always, I always go back to when it uh, him and Ovechkin kind of met center ice and shook mm-hmm. hands for like a good three minutes. And it's just, you could see like, how much Ovechkin respected slash hated him on like such a high level. And it was, it, it, that's real good sportsmanship stuff right there. When those two, two greats yeah. go to head to head and you can, I can just, I can picture it in my mind's eye right now. Uh, it's uh, the Henrik did a, Stole a lot of games from a lot of teams and just unfortunately couldn't get over the top of the mountain. Not not really due to him a lot of the time, to be honest. Uh, due to Ryan McDonough's foot and other other players' jaw and the ability on a, the ability for certain players not to score. That's really it. Yeah, there are bad lineup choices around him for a very long time, and uh, he, he. But you know, on the flip side of it too, you can look at it. He put the team in a position they had no business being to. You know, he took them as far as he could. Oh, constantly. That's all he did. Yeah. That's his whole career. Um, all right, Greg, anything else? Yeah, fuck Elaine Vino. That's the only For thing. For sure. <laughs> For sure. All right, we'll, we'll revisit some more Henrik Lundqvist moments, our, our favorite from over his career on BSBOT this week, Greg and I. And uh, we'll be back later this week. We'll be recording on Sunday. We'll be at the Henrik Lundqvist game this week. So come say hello to us. I'm sure we'll try and find a bar after if we're not in a snowstorm, question mark. Or I don't know. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll figure it all out, but follow us on Twitter at O'Ryan Mead, follow, uh, follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break, and follow Shayna at Hey Shay. And um, <laughs> you can, uh, we'll meet y'all in the city if you're going to the game. We'll see you guys then. Love you. Bye. Hey, I want to thank everybody for hanging around this for the podcast this week, especially the Patreon members who uh, our insiders chat has been popping off. And I want to talk about these members and thank them exclusively right now, as I do every single week, especially on Hank Week. Where uh, hopefully a snowstorm doesn't stop any of the festivities in New York, including Henrik Lundqvist uh, attendance or drinking before and after the game. Remember, drink responsibly. That's not a sponsor. That's me telling you to be safe. But have fun. All right, let's uh, let's get into it. Adam Cassidy, Adam Cohen, Adam Gertulo, Adam Keach, Admin. Someone named Admin joined. I mean, they're not they're not an admin of the podcast or the chat, but their name is Admin. Okay, cool. Alex Gardner, Amber Cohensberger, Austin Beetleman, Barbie Chris, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Biggest Balloons, Brett McGinnis. What's up, Brett? Brian Doyle, Broadway Blue Shirt Bleeder, Chris Finelli, CJ Stellwagen, Daniel Dazen, David Narodin, Dennis Dykes, Darian, who gave away, I believe, two two Hank tickets this week. Eric Stagg, give Gardner a cup. A Slack notification that just went off on my computer. Uh, Gretzky, Gareth McFly, Handel, Harris Nasco, Hip Hop Horror 89, Jake Berkowitz, Jerry Marquez, JD, Jamie Mack, John Hardesty, Justin Freeman, Justin Starr, Chris from Florida, Christoph Burr, Kyle Franklin, Lazar Krakowski, Lou Giordano, Lucas K, Matthew Kine, Max Nielsen, Mike Bucklaw, Pascal Perrier, Pavel Kodrev, Randy Tesser, Stephen Lohmeyer, Stiegelbach, Swingard, the Drop BK, and of course, the final, the Eric Carlson, Tommy Sinclair, Tom Hurst Jr., the legend, Tommy O'Neill, Tor from Hatney, original supporter, Upstate Vin, Vinny Bracco, Vinny Hay, and Will Spector. Thank you so much for being part of this extensive credit list and being part of the NHL Insider Group. It means the world to Greg and I. Uh, I have to say, uh, personally, at the end of this podcast, uh, we're right now in the, uh, the Rangers are down 2-1 and uh, the third period still to play. 
Um, Greg and I have recorded with Shayna already, but Chris Kreider scoring his 30th goal uh, means means somehow, I don't know how somehow, but it really legitimately means a lot to me. Well, I, I, I'm sure some of you know this, but I grew up a Ranger fan. I had the Brian Leach poster, all all that jazz, watched, uh, watched them win the cup when I was five years old, all that shit. And when I really got back into the Rangers, I think it was around like 2012, and Kreider was kind of that, you know, that upstart prospect. And since then, since he came up uh, in the playoffs and and further from there, I I, I fell very much in love with Chris Kreider and uh, his entire ability to just uh, be a meat market to uh, all the jokes I've had with Chris Kreider over the year from hitting hitting the crossbar to the amount of times Greg tried to trade Chris Kreider to the rumors we've heard from Chris Kreider over over the year, but he is kind of the connection to the old guard. To the to the last kind of good times Rangers of uh, of playoff success and to see him finally score thirty goals and to do it when some people question his contract um, when he really should be captain of this team and he clearly is captain of the team is uh, is pretty emotional for me so uh, kudos to Chris Kreider kudos to Henrik Lundqvist week number thirty goals for number thirty and uh, hopefully I'll see some of you there on the weekend feel free to stop by say hello we'll be on the Chase Bridge. Uh, and I'm sure we'll be standing on the bridge between periods. If you want to come up and say hi, we'll be there. We'll say hello to you. And uh, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll do a BSB OT on Hank later this week. If, uh, if I don't hear from you, I'll talk to you in the Discord. Otherwise, we'll be back next week. Love you guys. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.